Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to I Like to Movie Movie. My name is Dan Scully. My name is Garrett Smith. And uh, for this week's YouTube, we have a very special guest. We have the writer and director of a wonderful puppet horror movie called Frankenzed, uh, Mr. Jesse Blanchard. Welcome. Hi. Hi, everybody. Dude, thank you so much for being here, Jesse. We really appreciate it. Um, so, okay, so Frankenzed. Uh, I, I get the screener. I start your movie, and it starts with an intro from you explaining that this movie took you six years to make. I mean, it's it's a longer, but it's I'm I'm embarrassed to say longer than six years. So I feel it's like it's kind of like I don't know you when you're a kid and you learn that some people just say they're 29 over and over again, <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, I guess that's funny. I guess people do that. Anyways, um, I mean, yeah, it's six to seven years kind of depending on how you slice it yeah that's uh that is wild uh but i'm excited to talk about this so uh the and the reason i'm excited to talk about this is i uh used to do some uh claymation when i was growing up uh so i have some experience with trying to make something that's even you know five minutes long and finding out that that takes you know three to four months of your time if you're you know, doing it by hand in your house with materials that you acquired yourself. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, so I am uh, seeing your movie. I was like blown away by the artistry of it. And I really am excited to talk about really that aspect of it. The the taking six years to to make something like this, that when I got to sit here and watch it, looks to me like something that was made with a lot of money and by like an enormous crew. And I, I would guess that that is not necessarily true it's more that a lot of time and love was put into it and that's what i'm seeing on the screen yeah exactly it's exactly yeah. it's like that you know there's the old saw like good fast cheap you know pick two yeah <laughs> oh yeah good and cheap and fast was was not part of it i mean you're working as fast as you can i mean that's yeah. kind of funny. you're sprinting like absolutely everything is fast 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 in there and like one of my rules i mean we broke it sometimes but like there's no redos like when a character gets built and things like that i mean again you know you you fudge it when you have to but you're doing things just at a breakneck speed in slow motion and it's like a weird (laughs) it's like a weird kind of duality that's happening where does i mean i i I guess I'm asking what your background is. I imagine it's in puppetry. Where where do you... Where, if someone said, oh, let's do something, and I said, sure, and they said, okay, it's going to take about six years, I'd be like, I'm, I'm done. I quit. Uh, what is the inspiration that, that causes you to just drive at a puppet horror movie for, for such a long time? Where did this come from? <clears throat> well, first of all, I actually... I'm a filmmaker who turned to puppets. Okay. Oh, right on. I think that's one of the things that makes Frankenstein different from a lot of uh for many puppet films is that I'm approaching it very much from as a filmmaker and in fact one of the things I said 
all the time to the crew is like we're we're making a film that just happens to be done with puppets. It is mm-hmm. not a puppet film. It it just you know the puppets walked in one day and we're using them, but this is not this is <laughs> a puppet film. You know we cast the best actors. They all happen to be made out of cloth. But hey, what are the odds? <laughs> they they were, they were the most talented people in the house, and so they got cast. Absolutely. Um, but it's really you know most of it was just. You know, I never thought it would take this long, of course. But yeah. it's like you don't know what you don't know. You know, yeah. like when we went just to make Frank and Zed, you know, it took a full year to make just those to make those two puppets, you know. And and one of the things is like like how do you like you do the sculpture, like how do you make the mold? And like the first mold we made was out of um uh plaster and then we made a mold out of fiberglass and, and at every step you're to figure out like a million things like when you make a fiberglass mold like if you don't do what's called the release correctly the mold is glued shut and everything's gone jesus <laughs> everything is gone you like you have to put on like a special kind of wax basically it's like shoe polish yeah and and, and so basically you know you have your sculpture you, you spend forever on the sculpture then you, you spend forever making a clay wall to perfectly cut the sculpture in half at like a very precise time and you have a flashlight that lets you know exactly where that line is and all this other stuff because if you do that wrong then the sculpture gets locked in it's called the case line it's like whole thing right just to do this first half that's so wild and then you do the top and, and then and then you do the fiberglass on top of that and you take it over and then you clean all the clay out you do it very very carefully clean all this clay and the little tiny toothbrush you clean it out because you don't want to muck up your sculpture you clean it up you get this fiberglass perfect and then you put shoe polish on and you put fiberglass on the top or you actually cover it with bondo first bondo <laughs> you can't have you can't have bubbles in your bondo so there's a whole thing with that and then you got to do that and if you make a mistake this sculpture that you spent three months on is gone. And then it's square one. You, it's, it's completely gone. And the thing is like, just this stuff, the stakes everywhere just sky high. Before yeah, they yeah. feel sky high. And so you're like, you do that, it, but you, you win these little battles kind of one at a time. You're like, okay, cool, okay, cool. You know, and then, but then like, I remember like Frank's dome I was like, how do I make a glass dome? Like, how do I got blow glass? What am I going to do? You know, how do I do that? And so I ended up, I was like, okay, I think I can use this plastic and do and make a vacuum form. How do I make a vacuum form? You know, so it's just like, so it's just kind of every day you have these battles, this kind of relentless problem solving, but you're only trying to grab what's in front of you. That's kind mm. of it. Yeah. It's like, I can this. I can, I can get my fingers around this much. <laughs> you know? That's so cool, though. That's, like, that's, the, that's really a great way to approach anything is to just do what you can when you can. And, exactly. uh, you know, and I think if you stack enough of those up on one another, you end up with, with a Frank and Zed. Yeah. That, Go ahead. I'm sorry, Jesse. I mean, that's literally how I came to puppets. Because I was like, I got this big, crazy movie. You know, I don't have resources and I want the characters and I want everything to be what's in my head. I don't want to do a movie with like 20 somethings in their apartment. I'm not, you know, other people can do that. Good for them. But that's not <clears throat> the story that I'm interested in. How could I do it? And I was like, puppets. I could do it with puppets. 
Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I could do it. Okay. You know, so yeah, that question, how can I, you know, and, th and that was the thing, like on the film every day, it's like, how can I move it forward? What can I do? I mean, for instance, like, this is Frank's heart, you know? Oh, oh. Awesome. Awesome. This was such, uh, in terms of like the content of the movie, perhaps my favorite aspect of it is the ticking clock of Frank's heart and the fact that like, and like the, the, the uh, almost Pavlovian needs of, of Zed in order to read, uh, that's such a good relationship. Yeah. I, I love oh, that. I'm glad you like it. Like, I didn't want to make this thing. Cause I was like, how am I going to make a heart? The heart. <laughs> how do I make Frank's heart? Man, I don't. And so I didn't want to do it, but I was watching the movie and I was like, I gotta show it. Like you have to see Frank's heart. You have mm -hmm. to see the yeah. And that was one of those things. And then you and you just like oh. so so yeah. So this is like one That's of those amazing. Things. Like how you know how can you do it? And so this is the this is like you know so this this was Frank's heart. You know. That's incredible. And so uh, I think I understood this correctly. And, and I think I noticed in the credits, too. So uh, uh, Zed and Frank themselves are, are obviously like a, a more um, uh, intricate creation, I guess you could say, than yeah. the rest uh -huh. of the cast of the movie. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, and you but am I understanding correctly that you made them yourself like you in your home figured out how to <laughs> do all this? Yes and no. So okay. um, the. There's three people, so, so Frank and Zed were sculpted and painted and like the eyes and all that stuff by Aaron Debray, who's like okay. a phenomenal artist. So he did that. I did all the mechanization and the fiberglass, like yeah. all the move eyeballs and all that. I did all of that stuff, but. I, I, okay, I mean, I, I have to stop you immediately there because I don't know how to do those things. Those aren't things that I just know how to do. Like, how do you, where, where are these <laughs> other talents coming from that you're like, yeah, I'll just blow some glass. I'll just fucking, you know. Like. So there's there's one really phenomenal. So so first of all, I mean, the information's out there. Yes. You know, you just got to go dig Fair, yeah. somewhere around. I've got, let's see. Oh, I can see the, uh, the church glass in the right behind you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is stained glass here. So this is not. This is actually uh, one of the newer newest books I used. But this is the art director's handbook. But I use like there's just all this information is available in books. Yeah. You know, and I found a bunch of vintage um, special effects books that I would like comb through to learn all the special effects. But there was also at the same time um, this phenomenal resource called the Stan Winston School of Character Arts. Which was was I mean really unbelievable. We would have gotten there on our own, I'm sure, right? But they they gave us so much information that really let us push so much further. So that was mm. also I mean, but there's a lot of things like I don't figure like learning how to solder and all of those kinds of things that again, it's all there. Yeah. Which, like, you know, to do all the mechanization, like, in Frank's hand, I had never done any of that before. Or, like, to make, to making, like, making the eyeball mech, like, and there's all this stuff that's crazy. So, like, when you make the eye, right, it has to pivot, not at the back, because if it pivots at the back, it'll be like a lever. It has, to, pivot point has to be in the center of the eye, right? Well, you have to, that means you're, like, basically to get the eyeball mech and all that stuff in there, I'm drilling to like within like a 16th of an inch of the edge, outer edge of the eyeball. 
And so those, and that, and these eyeballs that, you know, are handmade that took like two weeks to make, it's yeah. like, you know, it's all that kind of it's stuff. Intense. It's, 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 it's so funny because you are essentially like a form of a Dr. Frankenstein just in his lab, <laughs> putting pieces together, trying to make a knife. It's fantastic. <laughs> I, I, I never heard about it. But yeah, you just, it's all impossible when you look at it. Like it's possible when you get like incredibly narrow. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. you just super micro with it. You're like, I need to learn how to solder. I, I can do that maybe. Where do you mm. buy something stuff? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, so this okay. brings up this brings up a question I had when I was watching it, which is so okay, six to seven years, you have this, this sort of long uh uh you know production. How much of that is like pre-production? How much of that is we're building Zed and Frank? Now we're building the rest of the townsfolk. Now we're building the town. Now we're how much of it is pre, and then how much of it is filming? Or is it literally like a piecemeal thing? Is it like okay, I've built the set for the castle, and we've got the puppets. We're doing those sections this week, and then we're then we're breaking all that down, and we're moving on to build the next set. And we're you know, I, I, I was I'm curious about the, the actual process of that. I mean, there, there were, the truth is there, there were more phases. Like, so I did a proof of concept trailer where we did Frank, we built Frank and Zed and things like that. And so that was like a year of building stuff to do this kind of proof of concept. Yeah. And then there was like several months of like fundraising, you know, Kickstarter mm-hmm. and fundraising stuff. And then we did actually the, the majority of the film, at least probably 80% of it was filmed in about nine months. So okay. most of the film made, in this like you know one big chunk yeah and then after that it was like build and figure out and problem solve all the things like the miniatures and frank's heart and practical effects and those were done kind of little bit at a time little bit at a time and then there were and then i also did some reshoots which added a lot of time so for instance the intro originally it was just this stained glass and it was so boring. Like, oh, God, who cares? The film starts with like a history lesson. I want to put people like there in the film right away. And so that's so the opening with the Maroi attack. I was like, we got to be there. We got to see all that stuff. But then, you know, like figuring out how to bring like the God of death that you see in the beginning. That's all practical. That's 100% awesome. practical. That's awesome. And, yeah. So that was a whole thing. Like, how how do I make a a puppet god of death that doesn't just make you like laugh (laughs) (laughs) pathetic and just loses everybody because i was like well i'm gonna make a scary ass puppet (laughs) you know yeah um and so like that was done with uh black light liquid and using these black lights these like industrial black lights that are shooting to the side they were so strong i actually had to get welders uh whoa so like that's like a you know so that's a typical thing like all right I think this is gonna work I'm I'm can't look at this I'm going blind okay nah, welder's glasses so you like yeah. shoot this thing and then you know I mean and that's like but and and also like because I don't want to repeat anything like that's what you do for every shot you know she's so like okay we got I mean I think like the god of death is maybe six seconds mm-hmm. maybe maybe ten seconds you know. And that's why, and, and you know, you're sculpting everything. You got to wire up the um, 
the LEDs for his eyes, you know, kind of all that stuff, you know, so that, that, so that, like, that thing, like, takes a lot. That's incredible. That's so cool. And I remind you that Dr. Frankenstein did wear welder's glasses as he was creating <laughs> Dr. Yeah. Frank. So it continues. <laughs> I, I want to ask about a very specific effect. I found the, the storm cloud from which Frank draws his lightning. If, yeah. if there was a movie of just that existing, I could probably watch like two hours of just that before I started to question like, oh, wait, nothing's happening because it's just so gorgeous. What What is that? What, like, how do you make that cloud? So that well, was the question I was asking myself because um, I had a, a very good visual effects um, supervisor, Adam Sager. Positing, you know, of stuff. Um, and he worked for like three days. We needed a storm cloud. We, he worked for like three days straight on a storm cloud. And I was like, and I was like, this won't work. This ain't. And I realized I was like, I don't want a CGI storm cloud. You know that I would see like a fancy Hollywood movie, and there's no way I would ever get that anyways. Like, there's no way like my one guy can replicate with like an army of VFX <laughs> would do, right? Yeah. So it's like I have to do a practical storm cloud. So that's like, how am I going to do it? So there's this thing called a saltwater tank. It's a very old effect. If you take an aquarium, you fill it full of uh, the bottom half of super saturated salt water, right? Then you put a piece of plastic down, and then you put fresh water on top. And then you pull the plastic out very carefully. And if you do everything right, you'll have a, an aquarium with salt water on the bottom and fresh water on the top. Then, uh, if you're me, you light this thing that's not yet there with all your different colored lights. You figure out a way to focus on something that's not there. You hit record on the camera and then you run and you have a tube rigged up that squirts coffee creamer out. And then you run around flashing the lights as fast as you can. And that's amazing. I figured it was a liquid. I figured it was a liquid. And I, oh, that knowing that it's coffee creamer is so, uh, oh, this is going to sound weird. It's so satisfying, almost in like a, I've just eaten it since, just to know that. <laughs> Like next time I watch Frank and Zed, which I will watch again, uh, the, I'm gonna look at that cloud and just covet how delicious it is. In in addition to how beautiful it is. Well, thank you. But yeah, but that's like a shot where, you know, it's four hours to set up. You get one take of about three seconds. Yeah. That's it, and then it's just a milky haze. Drain the tank. Four hours. Set it up again. Dude, the first. Damn. The first like five minutes of this movie, that was all I could think about. Cause you, cause as you were saying before, you're a, you're a filmmaker before you're a puppeteer, it turns out, right? And so you have this filmmaker sensibility, and something I can see and feel in that is that there's tons of different shots. We're not recycling angles or shots of things, and so you've got these crazy miniature. I mean, the the miniature sets are incredible. They're really well lit. They look great. They're oh, super detailed. They have tangible fog. Yes. I, I love me some tangible fog. Wow. I mean, they're really incredible. And then it's just like over the first five minutes, it's just rapidly moving from miniature set to miniature set. And then to some of these indoor sets. And, the, and I was just like, he's doing that thing that I just, when I was doing this as a, a 12 year old on a card table with like clay, we went out of our way to make sure we could recycle things over and over for other shots because it's so time consuming to do things that are only going to exist on screen for five seconds. And I could tell immediately within the first five minutes of the movie that that was what you did. You went to the extent of just like, yeah, 
whatever it takes. If it's only there for five seconds, it's just going to be the best five seconds I've ever put in. Like, it's just going to, you know, I'm going to give it every detail that all of the other stuff has, even though it's only there. But I was really impressed by that. Well, thank you. I mean, that's one of the, like another guiding principle I said is like, we're going to pack as much detail in as we can. And we're going to shoot it as if none of it matters. Yeah. And that was like, I love that. Yeah, I I really do. I, I, that was, I, I wrote that down at some point where I was like, he's like throwing this stuff away. But I meant that as like a compliment. Like you're, you were not um, precious in the way that, that you depicted any of this. And I think it helps sell the world of this movie that, um, you know, you're not precious about the craft, even though it's like just exploding with craft. You know what I mean? Like every frame. Craft rises to the top when you don't focus on it. Yeah. Uh, When you focus on it, it becomes chintzy. And so to have it all just exist. I I was saying to Garrett before, uh, earlier, uh, that watching this, I had to keep reminding myself that it had not been animated. Yeah, I had to keep like reminding myself that I was not watching, you know, a, like a like a computerized movie. That these were indeed puppets, just because it looked so sharp. And that I think that comes from exactly what you're talking about, Garrett, where it's not focused on showing off the craft specifically. It's using the right. craft to serve this just like insane story. Yeah, I, I was very impressed by that. It's like a a level okay, of yeah. res- oh, sorry, I just interrupted you. <laughs> Go ahead. No, no. Um... I just really like that you got, because to me, like I wanted it to feel as real as possible. And I was like, if this is that their world, none of that detail matters to them. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't, it's like, that's just like what the, that's just what the mess hall looks like or whatever. Right. It's yeah. Just, yeah. It is almost mundane to them. Um, so it, it's really cool that um, it, it feels like that, what that effect was like worked for you guys. Totally. I, I mean, I literally, I spent most of the movie being like, I can't believe how fucking detailed this is. Your puppets have teeth. I, I spent time thinking <laughs> yeah. about it. I was like, how many movies? Cause I, I, I really, Frank's I did get the teeth back here and up here where you can see that's yeah. like how it's done. Well, I was, I really spent time thinking about that. Once I real like once I took notice of the teeth, I really started because I watch a lot of animation. I, I, I like I grew up making animation. I like animation. I like puppetry. I like a lot of the stuff I've watched. A lot. I was like, how many puppets have I seen with teeth? I've seen like no puppets with teeth. That's like a level of detail. I was like blown away by. You know, I've never uh, I've never even thought about that. It's so interesting. <laughs> they just had to have teeth. But I love the like the it, it almost looks like felt like the eye wrinkles. Uh, uh-huh. Super effective for emoting. And actually, in terms of, uh, this popped in my head, but is in terms of uh, like a filmmaker aesthetic as opposed to a puppet aesthetic, there's a part where I forget which character suits up, and it's a suiting up montage that's all puppet. You're like, ching the belt, the shield, all that stuff. Thumbs up to that. That's <laughs> like, you know, it's like when the Muppets dip into actual cinema, it becomes novel because you go, oh, look, the Muppets are, are aping this or doing that. But I feel uh-huh. like most of this movie, it, it never felt like, oh, these puppets are, are uh, you know, using a, a film thing. It does feel like a movie first before I even think about the puppets. That's great. That's great. Yeah, they're they're uh, they're not doing that Muppet thing where they're playing at being people in a movie. Yeah. They just are people in yeah. a movie. 
Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so, like, when the suiting up armor, like, if, if the Muppets did a suiting up thing, I'd be like, ha, they're doing Batman. But, like, in here, it was just like, no, this is the suit. He's suiting up. This is what's happening. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, that works so... <laughs> but that's that's so interesting to, you know, approach it from a filmmaker angle. That's very cool. Yeah. Um, see, I had a note here, too, that I think Grog is, like, the coolest thing in the world. Just, Dan, I'm, I literally... <laughs> I love Grog. I, I've been, literally just been waiting to get to a point where we could stop talking about anything else and just talk about Grog. He was my favorite thing in this movie. I loved Grog. Well, Grog does that thing. Oh, yes! Grog's making a cameo. I love... This is something that I've always loved. My favorite in Muppets is when a Muppet has a person's hands. Uh-huh. and or a person's arms with the puppet and i i feel like grog had some of this i think yeah. i saw some of oh, yeah. that in the the credits yeah. fantastic yeah, so, he's, so grog it, he's actually the only puppet that i built all by myself whoa uh, look oh, at oh. that post uh post zombified grog yeah i love look it. at them teeth <laughs> love it hi garrett <laughs> <laughs> This is the best day of my life. Yeah, this is the first puppet we've ever had on Movie Movie yeah. before. <laughs> Grog, it's a pleasure. Oh my goodness. Thank you. Yeah, for that's being. fantastic. He's scary, but he's like cuddly. He's big and cartoonish, but he's physical and like kind of human. Man, that is aces. Uh, Hi, Jesse, Grog. <laughs> more sense to you later. Can, can Grog say, uh, my name is Grog and I like to movie movie? My name is Grog. I like to movie, movie. Ah. Oh my goodness! Thank you. <laughs> I just feel like I'm. I feel like I'm meeting like Brad Pitt right now. I know. <laughs> this, is <laughs> this is like that thing that everybody talks about when they get to meet Kermit. And everybody talks to Kermit yeah. when they meet Kermit. No one talks to the puppeteer. Yeah. They it's all great. talk to Kermit, uh, as it should be. I, so I actually, the, uh, something that Grog was very instructive for me by the end of the movie when, when we got to see the credits and see how uh, he, he came to life, I spent a lot of the movie trying to figure out the scale of things just because yes. I, I, you know, I've done this stuff before. And so I, I spent a lot of the movie trying to figure out like, how big are these, these puppets and like what, cause I did feel like, like in Grog in particular, I could see that there was some more human like motion. And so I was like, I think that might be like a more costumed performer um, you know, but then you could tell with some of the other ones, they're more like standard Muppets. It's, it's a hand inside of a, 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 a puppet. And so I, uh, it was very revealing at the end to see that like, oh yeah, there's actually puppets on many different scales throughout this movie. There it is. Ah, uh, love <laughs> it. Yeah. Okay. Hi guys. <laughs> and, yeah, so. And so they're more like standard Muppets, right? Like they're, they're more, uh, like a half scale kind of thing. Yeah. yeah oh, guys- and then there's. Yeah, they're tiny. Like so, so I um yeah, he's here else. So I actually one of the things I wanted to do with the film was push all the boundaries to where I was uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. That was a goal with all the design, the orgy of blood, everything else. It's like we have to be uncomfortable. We have to be like this is not gonna work. That's where everything has to be. And so, like with the scale, that was one of my goals. So, uh, the quartet were from my were from Shine, the very first puppet film that I did. 
Shine was fantastic, by the way. Very good. Oh, good. I laughed my ass off. That was really great. Yeah. And it's such a uh, it's such an otherworldly uh, concept of this killer light. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, fun fact: the quartet gets all the same injuries in the orgy of blood that they get in Shine. No in the same way. Movie. Yeah. Now that yeah, you say I that, recognize I that they were there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right on. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so with the scale, I was like, I'm going to push the scale to where I'm really uncomfortable. And so we, we got the Shine Quartet, which is the smallest puppets. And then I'm going to have somebody that's bigger than me. And yeah. I'm going to purposefully, they're going to fight. I'm going to put them in the same thing. And that's, you know, and that's, that's what happens. The Quartet goes up against Drop. And my theory was, I was like, it's not going to matter. Like, we will be able to just obliterate scale and no one will care. As long as the story, as long as things are chugging along and it's engaging, no one, the audience will buy it. But that was, that was an example of going like, but I want to take that risk, you know? Well, I also, a compliment to your filmmaking is that um, part, part of me asking that question was not um, being confused by the scale within the movie. It, it was that it felt consistent to me. Like the scale mm -hmm. was very consistent throughout the movie, but because I have, um, you know, done, had made some uh, stop motion movies in the past, I was just curious, like how big are the, like how big are these sets? Like how big are these puppets? How? So I was really impressed by the end that like, you know, you could tell Grog's like, he's meant to be bigger than the other characters, but he uh -huh. lives in the frame with them as if he's just a bigger guy than the other guys. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't look... Um, he doesn't look to me like he is so vastly he's much more differently scaled in reality than he appears to be in the movie uh, yeah, and that's that. really impressive yeah well thank you yeah i mean i think a lot of it yeah it's getting the stuff to work together and and also the reason i wanted to push everything is that i have this theory that the camera turns the volume down yeah you know so it just like especially like again in the orgy of blood i was like we have to go absolutely absurd i mean i knew this i was like we have to go absolutely absurd and then it'll be acceptable and mm -hmm. i think you know yeah so so i mean i think also though you know we do we only do like 11 takes on a good day that's one of the reasons it takes so long you know and i think a lot of that is like the, the shots start out and they just don't work you know, they just don't work and you have to work it and work it and work it to get the performance and get it to where it feels lifelike. And a lot of that is like figuring out the eye lines and stuff. Cause like with Grog, you know, somebody's wearing him as a hat and doing an arm and doing the, the mouth or doing the mouth, the head like this, and somebody else is doing the hands. They have no idea where the eyes are. They have no idea, you know? And so if you have Grog talking to somebody and then this person is also just a hand. So they can't even really adjust. And so getting and and if the eye lines are off, you know, like if you're talking to somebody and they're just looking just even slightly off, it, the illusion dies. The yep. characters just look. And so I would never have even thought of that. That's that's very interesting. Yeah, because that's the thing when the puppets when 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 it's working, you're just like, oh, yeah, they're doing what a, that character would do. And that's that's great. That's what you want. You want it. You want it to 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 you don't want to know. That they're, that, yeah, that they're like two of them looking like this way and all that. Like, mm. we, uh, yeah. we talked to, we talked to, uh, 
the director of Ninja Turtles 2 on our show. Mm-hmm. And he actually specifically talked about how hard it was to coordinate the idea of an animatronic face attached to someone karate fighting yeah. and emoting in the process. And so, you know, even with, you know, servos and computers and all that stuff, it's still impossible. And if you've got, you know, three people just manually doing a puppet, that that's, yeah, that's an amazing amount of coordination. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, there are shots where there are five people puppeteering Frank. Like, yeah. five people working together. And then you also, you know, the, I like to move the camera constantly. So you also have focus pulling and all that other stuff that that whole thing yes. is like a dance. Like that's basically, you're basically puppeteering the camera, yeah. honestly, mm-hmm. you know, kind of getting it to move and do what it needs to do. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, so getting all of that to like work um, is hard. And then getting it to like actually like sing and be like worth watching is where it really become, that's where you're really, really grinding it out. Um, mm-hmm. But then when it works, it's so cool. Oh, it's got to be magic. Now, how does yeah. uh, how does it come in? Like at the end, a really big splatter sensibility comes into things, and it is practical, tangible blood being splashed in buckets everywhere. And I see buckets of liquid blood splashing onto plush creations, and I imagine that that's the end of that puppet after one shot. Uh, is that the case, or is there are there repeat puppets, or is there a a great blood technique that you know so there's no there, yeah there's no no duplicate puppets so one of the scariest things is like in in filming the orgy of blood i was like everything gets destroyed past with unequivocally destroyed where the audience has no doubt so like if a character gets killed they get killed in a way where there's no doubt that they're dead like so for instance grog like when he goes zombie that he's being modified in a way we cannot undo it Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we could get a couple takes by cleaning them up, but it was, but it was really scary in that, like, you know, the orgy of blood is just done perfectly to my storyboards. There's no coverage in the film. You cannot get coverage. You get an angle according to the storyboards and like, that's it. And then you shoot everything. And then when it comes to that character dying, you kill him and you're like, man, I hope I got everything for the whole movie. Because, like, I can't go back and get, like, an insert shot of Grog walking in or this or saying a line. Like, you can't do any of that with any of the puppets. So, the blood, yeah, the blood soaking, you could get a take or two most of the time. You could kind of clean them up. But it was really when they got destroyed, that was, like, the crew would celebrate, actually, especially my lead puppeteer. He was always, like, excited because he was, like, (laughs) cool, Jesse can't go back. We can't redo anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guy is dead. So there was like a mini, and it was like a way to, you know, because like with the Orgy of Blood, you know, we do 11 shots a day, right? And the scariest day for me on the film was like coming to my crew and being like, hey guys, here's the storyboards for the final battle. 1,500 shots, you know? I mean, yeah. And I was like, they're going to kill me. They're going to yeah, kill me. They wild. will never do this. They will never, ever do this. You know? Um, but they didn't. They were, like, totally game and down. But, you know, but it was, like, I mean, three months of shooting to do the Orgy of Blood. Oh, that's super. I mean, the finale is wild. It, oh, Dan and mental. I were talking about it before we we, uh, we got on the line with you here. We were just like... it. Such an entertaining movie, but that last half hour is like, it's like, that's, that's what you, 
when you're going to put your admission on the table, it's like that's what the admission is for, and that's that is paying out on every single one of those dollars. Like that is just like, and then some, uh, the, you know what I mean? It's like it's giving me my money back. It's his like head gets bisected at yeah. the angle, yeah. and oh, yeah. oh, that's how it's done. <laughs> really, really <laughs> impressive, entertaining stuff. Oh, good. Yeah, watching that was was. Uh, it was just it was scary. Like I, I'm I'm helping my buddy write write a horror thing, and I showed him a scene, and he essentially said he was like, "Listen, there's two like crazy bloody moments in this. Can you make it one crazy bloody moment? Because I don't think that that first one's cleanable." And I had never really thought about that in terms of like writing before. So I, you know, I was writing another draft, and so then watching this these puppets just get soaked, I was like, "Man, that is one and done." There's, there's like no way around this, and so I ask, like, is there, is there anything that you did ever have to write around that, that you know, might have been limited by that splatter sensibility? No, it did the exact opposite. Exact nice. Opposite. Yeah, everything, everything is written specifically ignoring all that stuff. The yeah. whole film is like, yeah, it was very much like, I will not let any. How am I going to do this? Or into the exact opposite. Exact opposite. Yeah, that's incredible. <laughs> yeah. I love that. You got to respect that because, like, what? Like, I, I don't, I don't mind a little like CGI blood here and there in my horror movies, but like, I really like splatter and I like moppable blood being thrown everywhere. It's just, it, it's so much fun, and I understand why people would shy away from that because, like, you've got to clean that up. You've got to. It is just a production problem. So applause to you for just committing to like, no, fuck it. We are soaking this in, in blood. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. Oh, yeah. yeah, we had we actually had a kiddie pool that sometimes the puppeteers would sit in. That's incredible. Yeah. yeah so that was that was like one of the tricks that we came up with, was just having a kiddie pool to kind of limit the amount of blood. But it's still I mean, it just gets everywhere. Everything is soaked. Like, oh, yeah. These- you know, you got the cameras like all bagged up, like everything, everything gets totally soaked. My, yeah, I'm uh, just like, I'm like, that's what people are there for. Like, you're not going to give it to them. Like, what's the point? That's mm-hmm. kind of what I, I'm like, why, why are we throwing a party if we're not going to party? You know? <laughs> Hell yeah. That's what we always say on the show is like, don't, don't make me think you flipped a truck. Flip the, flip the truck, film it. And we will watch yeah. that truck flip over. That's like, yeah. yeah. Just flip the truck. And I also, I mean, frankly, I I don't think I went into, I, I didn't know a lot about your movie before sitting down to watch it. So I didn't even uh, go into it expecting it to uh, commit to the orgy of blood it kept promising yeah. as hard as it did. So it was very fulfilling and satisfying for this movie to uh, end up there. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I was by the time we got there, I was so long impressed already because I just like the commitment to detail over this whole project is uh, frankly, like just astounding. Uh, so I was already like more than impressed. So then when it really did commit and when it really did deliver, I was like, this is some impressive shit. This is very fun. Here's a question. I thought I spotted a watermelon being used to substitute for an, a, a destroyed head that had its brain scooped out. Am I accurate in, in yeah, yes, having recognized yes. that? Nice. I love a good watermelon head. That was a man one... who's on fire and a watermelon head. You give me that and I'm good. Yeah, that was like, um, 
I think that it's like we, you know, it's always going to be real, 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 but we like dip our toes. We kind of put our toes across the line every once in a while for fun. Yeah. And there's like a feeling. And I remember like on, on set that day, you know, he had to get his head bashed in. And I was like, okay, we got to do something new. We've already seen like, what's a new gore. And I was like, what if we just painted a watermelon? And it was just <laughs> a dumb idea. And we all got so excited about it. So like ran down, got like two watermelons, like rattle candom, like, like a puppet peach color. Yeah, yeah. And then Jason, my puppeteer, I mean, it's my horror, but this is what happens. Like the, the drunk puppet that, you know, the, the, that gets turned into that, he just rips them totally apart. So there's no going back. I'm like, okay, we're doing this. And just like sticks it on Mr. Potato Head style. <laughs> and it just, like, it's so stupid and so funny. You know? and it, and but just, it was effective too, though. Like it still kept that level where I was like, oh, they're ripping out the inside of his brains. Like it still yeah, got exactly. that effect even seeing it's a watermelon. Yeah, exactly. And it, what's funny is like that, the, you know, there's some people that just like, you know, certain things don't work for them, right? And God bless them, whatever. And like one person, was like, yeah, the effects are pretty crappy. I could tell that was a watermelon. I'm like, come on, man. Like, we know. Yeah. <laughs> like, obviously, it's. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's the point. Yeah. yeah I'm yeah. sorry. You know they're puppets, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just funny. Like, the whole movie is thrown away, eagle eyed, that he can tell it's a yeah. watermelon. <laughs> yeah. Did you. Uh... Go ahead. Oh, uh, please finish your thought. Oh, no, no, that's uh, it, that's it. The, uh, the shadow stuff, like, I, I loved the shot where I think there were little rats uh, attacked the cat, mm -hmm. and you mm -hmm. see it in the shadow, in the silhouette of it happening. Super effective, super cool. Is that shadow puppetry that I'm seeing? So they're, they're you know, we, I use shadows a lot, uh, mm -hmm. like the Maroi, all a shadow. That was all real um, uh, puppets, though kind of doing that but but it is like like that whole shot it's i mean the shots are just so technical because the margins are just like crazy thin so mm -hmm. getting pan over and getting like the pup the the mice jumping you know we had we had mice that you would see and then we had other like basically marionette mice that are on strings to do the jumping mm -hmm. and the camera has to be the perfect pan off from the ones you see to the ones you jump and kind of over to the cat and then the thing that um, uh, the, the real kind of clever trick on that shot is that the cat actually has a bunch of mice pinned to him, right? Oh, and, and then you can just... And then you just shake the cat <laughs> and all these mice are all over it. And then that, you also and... have the marionettes going at it. And that's how you get it looking like he's covered in mice. That's like... I would think that's a puppeteering technique, but no, that is such a classic filmmaking technique. When the bats come out, they would just have the actors with some bats on their sleeves do this. That's so crazy. Oh, wow. Fascinating. Because that shot's yeah, effective. Because I was like, ooh, this cat's getting ripped to shreds. <laughs> but also, it was just so neat. That's so cool. Yeah. So, that, But that's that shot, you know. Yeah, that's classic, like super technical. Like the camera's doing a very tricky move and, and it's doing like a crazy rack focus that you have to do without seeing it breathe at all. So it's gotta be perfectly in rhythm. And then, yeah, you have like basically these three different sets of puppets that 
have to seamlessly hand off and it has to have energy. That's the thing that's so hard mm -hmm. is everything. You have to do these handoffs really, really fast because if there's a, if there's even a third of a second of dead space, the sequence just falls flat. Like the gas just goes right out of everything. It's got to push like so fast, so fast, so fast. But I'm, gl I'm glad you like that shot. That, that's like, um, I love that shot. It's such a. <laughs> it's so cool. It just has such a classic feel to it. And it's it's equal parts like scary, funny, and wow, how'd they do that? So just that put a spell on me right there. That was the moment where I was like, all right, I'm I'm all in on this. This movie's gonna oh, rock. Good. You know. Oh, good. Uh, Is there anything else you could show us in your in your lab here? I'm I'm looking all around in the periphery. There's all these neat, colorful yeah, items. Yeah. yeah, there's tons of stuff. So I got like. Uh, oh yes. This is the, the sensor. Love the it. And let's see what else we got here. So we got oh, I love the um, uh, the the like the hypnotic breath mask thing that he had. Uh huh. Uh -huh. So cool. So cool. Yeah, that sound like um. Oh, I got the spider. That crap all over here. Hey! Here. Look oh, at yeah. that. <laughs> oh, right on. So yeah. Good. So this was like we had a spider, and it didn't move. And it just like what, and it just didn't quite work. So that's like something that got reshot. Um, let's see what else we got here. Uh, I got Frank's axe. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Frank's oh, axe. Oh, very cool. Wow. Yes. So like this, one of the things that was tricky is. Um, I got one of the fleshy fish. Oh, oh, right on. Uh, I, he's the backup. He's not our hero. But here's one of, one of the flesh-eating fish. Wow. That's legitimately... I mean, I'm pretty afraid of fish generally, but that's legitimately chilling. That is a scary <laughs> yeah. creation. They're, they're freaky. The flesh-eating fish are freaky. And there's something like... The... Go ahead. Oh, no, no please. Well, they, they were something that, uh, um, they were one of my first ideas, you know, is that Frank would clean the brains into this well and that these little fish would go up and, and, but that's like a classic thing. You're like, how are we going to make these fish puppets? I don't know. Um, but I actually, the picture got locked for all the sound effects and score and stuff like that. And I locked in a placeholder for the flesh eating fish. Nice. Do it. <laughs> That's like, what a great way to do. Just you have to. You're trapped. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just like otherwise, it'll just be a black and white card, flesh eating fish. Yeah. So there was it um, was great. there was a, a documentary about the White Stripes back in the day, and there was a part in it where Jack White was saying he was like, I always like to make sure I don't have the tools that I need to get it done because it'll ensure that I do it. He's like, if I know it takes me four steps to get to the piano. I will push the piano so that it's like six steps. And even though I only have the time for four steps to get there, I, I'm going to have to make it. And I ultimately do. And and like that attitude of just, yeah, I'm going to, there has, it's locked with that. You know, like, I, I love that. Uh, huh. I love that as a motivator, purposefully giving yourself not enough resources to get it done. So you have to. Yeah. I mean, there's like, I, this isn't totally the same, but it reminds me. I was I watched this director's commentary or screenwriter's commentary for um, a monster calls. Mm. Ooh, yeah, 
liked, you know, and the screenwriter whose name I, I can't, I can't remember right now, but he said this really cool thing. Apparently when he teaches his, he teaches screenwriting. And one of the things he, he says is like, you know, I always tell my students like, um, oh my God, now I'm forgetting the word. What do you call it when you're like, um, I want to get revenge on somebody or you feel really like um, burned by somebody. Oh man. Vendetta? Not, not quite, not, like not that strong, like doing something out of spite or feeling like uh, Vengeance. Or, uh, you want validation. Yeah, oh my God. So anyways, maybe it's out of spite or something like that. It's, I'm not coming up with the right word, but anyways, but he's like, the point of it is he says, I always tell my my students hold on to that feeling because it's a great motivator for writing, you know, mm-hmm. or someone saying you won't be able to do that, you know, wanting to prove somebody wrong or you know, oh, yeah. any of the, and I think, yeah, as like an artist, like I also will look to any tool to, to, to work because I mean, what happens like, like with Frank and Ted, it's like, it's all I think about. It's all I want to do except when it's time to do it. Then I will do anything else. And it's like nailing my feet to the floor to like ah, make it happen. Yeah. And once I start, like once we start filming, it's great. And I'll push for 50 takes and just love it and have a great time. But getting into it can be so, it's such an, so much discipline. You know? I feel you. As a writer, my favorite thing is having written. But I yeah. hate starting writing. Once yeah. I'm in, you can go all day. But that first is... I, yeah, I feel you. That's why I actually am very friendly towards deadlines because once again, if a deadline's approaching, then you, well, you better get typing. No better motivator. Yeah. Yep. Um, I wanted to ask about the um, the I guess I don't know how to ask this, but the um, how much of the movie is there any animation in the movie? I guess that's really what I want to ask. I felt like I noticed some stuff that looked like it m- might have been uh, like stop motiony type stuff, but I wasn't really sure. I don't think so. Okay. Uh, nice. I, yeah. Once so, for a second, I had I was going to do the lightning by like soaking yarn in glue and kind of wrapping mm. it around nails to have it at these funny angles. Mm-hmm. And I did some tests, but it came, it was like way too Michelle Gondry and it just kind of took you out of it. It was, it was just not right. Mm-hmm. So I played with that for a second, but I don't think we used any stop motion. No, I mean, I always say like, I think it's a stop motion aesthetic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is, wouldn't be weird if you saw it as a stop motion film. It would seem kind of like. Yep. I had to keep reminding myself it was puppets because I just kept kind of taking it in as stop motion. Yeah. Yeah. That's what that's that's and I take that as yeah, like it's a huge compliment. But yeah, it's all it's all live action. That's really impressive because in particular the stuff surrounding Frank and Zed, like the tower that they're in, the way that contraption works that sort of re-energizes Frank every day. A lot of that stuff has a look and feel of, you know, like an old Rankin Bass cartoon or something, which uh, yeah, is yeah. great. Like that's a great aesthetic. And so I was trying to parse like how much are they just actually building these things and doing them in camera? How much are they animate? That's very impressive. Yeah, no, it's it's all in camera. Like the gears, and that was like fun. Like even with, like with the gears, I was like, I don't want steampunk. Right. It's too mm-hmm. modern, right? Yep. Um, and I have to have gears. So there's a whole thing, and 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 
so I got to really nerd out on gears and there's this, and so first made the decision, okay, we'll go wood and that'll be, that'll help get us out of steampunk. And then there's these things called organic escapements. Like people do these like really beautiful gear art. And so that's um, like the main mech that you the wall is this crazy organic escapement thing that is not like a regular gear that has this crazy kind of TikTok thing. And so that might be what felt kind of stop motion mm -hmm. to you because it's not just two gears right. moving. It does this weird kind of thing, but it's all it's all practical. And in fact, and, and building that with like a whole thing like, OK, these gears have to work. So when we turn it, it does this real kind of crazy motion. Um, and that was that was exciting when when making those gears and actually have them work having them work that's really cool yeah the whole recharging sequence is so nice because it's such a great showcase for the puppetry um i also like it because it's just like mad science that kind of stuff's fun but i really love the relationship between frank and zed i can't highlight enough how much of the my joy in the movie and unexpectedly so because i really thought i was about to just sit down and watch like a cool craft project and and I just really love that relationship between Frank and Zed, where, you know, like it, it is Pavlovian with with Zed at some point with the bell and stuff like that. But like they they love each other, they care about each other, and that really comes through. And I, I think that emotional arc is anchored around all of the recharging scene. And I don't know that really just threw me for a loop. Uh, how much I truly cared about about them as characters, and um, you know to that scene is just kind of where it all really comes from uh, for me at least so it sounds like you were you were surprised that you cared for the for them uh, yeah like i i i guess typically i i am not i i love animation but i don't seek it out i love puppetry but i don't seek it out like i love the muppets i grew up on them but it always seems like a novelty thing to me and so i came towards this like oh this is going to be like a novelty fun project and very quickly, I was like almost forgetting about the the wowza factor of the puppets simply because I was engaged with the story. And it really comes down to how much I really, really cared about Frank and Zed and about their relationship. And even as we learn about the background and the and the shared background they sort of have, uh, it all just, you know, made that it, it like validated my feeling by making it even richer. Uh, and so it, it was just such a nice surprise to sit down for something that I thought would be a neat novelty and ended up just being a really fantastic story told in a way that is novel and, and cool. Oh, that's great. Oh, really? That's great. I also, <laughs> I also always like when these kind of like, um, uh, for lack of a better word, these kind of like, uh, you know, sort of silly fantasy stories have like a sort of tragic heart to them. Um, which I really liked about that backstory that we do learn uh, about uh, Zed and Frankenstein. Like, I, I like that there's some actual tragedy at the at the heart of this. It kind of makes the fun, silly world that this takes place in. Otherwise, you know, the the the, the village people are all often kind of these like uh, uh, dismissive and or dismissed like jokey kind of characters. I like that that world is where we are. But I like that at the heart of it is just this little little bit of real tragedy there that that kind of motivates all of it. Mm -hmm. I'm glad that was you know because you know part of me again it was a risk but it was like it was like the thing I wanted to do 
you know, I'm like, this is a story. And like, I want to tell the story about these monsters and I don't want them to just be like misunderstood. You know, they look ugly, but they're perfect human beings on the <laughs> inside. I was like, I did not want that. I want them to be like real monsters that are like complicated. But I was like, man, can I make this, you know, w- will people come along with me? I'm going to be like, hey, it's going to open up and be like, hey, these guys, their lives is really boring. <laughs> you know, <laughs> doing it. And then we're going to start off and just let people know, hey, these guys are really boring, everybody. And they don't talk. <laughs> and um, and so, you know, I, it, I was I was worried. I was like, man, are people uh, will it work? You know, will these characters who don't, you know, really say much and who are like these and can i tell this like kind of really serious like hard on its sleeve story with my dolls you know (laughs) go there with me you know um but it was also something that i I was really fortunate because the crew i was like we're gonna do this real we're never gonna wink at the audience and if it fails it fails but if it works the audience will have a better experience like they this is what i think the audience wants they don't want winking they don't want to kind of they want to like have it have us do our best to make everything as real as possible make the characters as real as possible like that's what that's what we want to that's what the audience deserves that's what we're going to try and do and there's a higher risk because if it fails a little bit it's the whole thing becomes silly you know Mm -hmm. works you know then hopefully like people will have like the characters will like be real what, the whole time I was watching it, the the thing that I, I kind of kept thinking about was like, this is like one of those things that I feel like I've always wanted, but no one ever actually gave me, which is like, I grew up on Rankin-Bass cartoons, and I really liked those. Um, mm. And it would be fine if they made more and they were still for children. I would probably still appreciate them just because I like the craft of them. But I'm now a 30-year-old man, and I'd still like a Rankin-Bass cartoon made for me, please. Like... Give, yeah. give me one that's a little more adult and has a little more of my adult sensibilities in it, but, but is otherwise played just as earnest and just as straight and just as, do you know what I'm saying? And, and your movie walks in that tone of just being like a very earnest, like, you know, puppet cartoon, you know, but, but uh, then having this sort of a very violent streak and a very, you know, these, these things that sort of appeal to me as an, as an older movie fan, you know? Yeah, well, it's interesting you should say that because, like, typically with Rankin Bassett, that's not someone that I've thought about. I watched Rudolph, you know, a year or two ago. And, like, when he gets teased, it sucks. Yes. Like, you feel And that's yeah. all done, like, you know, and, and then even maybe Dennis the Dentist, I'm trying to remember, like, the, the elf who wants to be a dentist. Like, this, there's a similar thing, too, where you, like, like, their problems feel very real to them. And I think mm-hmm. maybe that's, you know, like the tone and kind of what I wanted to do with Frank and Zed was very important. And I was super protective of it. And, and that's why I was like, look, like I agonized over like the two cuss words in the film. Because I was like, I don't know, man, I don't know. You know, and I was like, wow, oh, we're going to we're, we're going to we're going to go for it here. Right. You know, um, but protecting that tone, protecting that kind of tender and that earnestness was like so important even to the point where like like uh, like the love interest or or laverne or the, the 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 young woman who like goes into the forest right i was like she can't just go she can't be like interested in the baker that's absurd 
like that she would have like be like attracted to the baker that and that will that will stomp on the tone for some of my some of the audience there'll be some people in the audience that'll be like man seriously come on she wouldn't go for them and it would just she would never do that right and so i had to really rack my brain i was like oh she would go she would go for like a croissant though she would yeah (laughs) i forgot about that and that like my wife is who i was thinking of you know my wife would be like i I feel her i would do it there's days (laughs) i would go (laughs) To get me a chocolate croissant, you know? Yeah, a fresh-baked pastry will get me to do... There, there's a shorter list of things I, I wouldn't do than what I would for, for a nice, yeah, fresh pastry. Exactly, yeah, exactly. But, <laughs> but that's the place where, like, I agonized over that because I was like, it'll ruin the tone. It'll, it'll, it'll be too... It'll, it'll be wrong. If I get that, that... I gotta get her in the woods for a reason that, like, is right for this world, you mm. know? It's it's a really uh, that is a difficult line, I think, to walk and a, a balance that is very impressive that you achieved. Um, I'm really just repeating what we just said, I guess. But like that it is it has that earnestness. Um, and and I, I love what you said about the two swear words that you chose, because I did actually clock that at a certain point. I was like, it's really impressive that like because that's the thing is like, a, 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 a OK, gory puppets. When you say that to me, you say it's like a gore movie with puppets. I do imagine that they're going to say fuck every other word for some mm-hmm. reason. That's what seems to go with that to me, that it's going to be on the side of extreme. It's going to be on the side of we're doing this. Because yeah. We you're cross thinking as- meet the feebles. Yeah. yeah. We want to cross as many boundaries as possible. Like, look at all this fucked up shit that puppets do, you know, but it's, but the movie is not that the, the movie is the, the sort of earnest tone again of like a rank and bass cartoon. It just happens to be gory like an R-rated horror movie. You know, it's like, that's a very careful, impressive line, I think, to walk and have achieved so well. It's a very delicate balance. Well, thank you. Yeah, it was, um, it was super important. I mean, it was like super, super mindful. And, and, and I don't know. And even like part of the earnestness, I think was like going to the extreme with the blood in some way. I mean, it's very much a gut thing where you kind of feel it. But I think things like the watermelon was kind of a check in there or just all this. Yeah. Yeah. But it was, I mean, because, you know, I like an open set and like if people have ideas, I like to, you know, I'll always listen to it because if it's like a better idea or a better joke, great, let's get it in the film. But there, and, and there weren't very many of these, like the crew was like very tuned in, but every once in a while there'd be a little joke that I'm like, yeah, that's funny, but it'll ruin the tone, you know, and oh, I'm not, I'm not stepping on the tone for a laugh like no way no way yeah you know i I had the thought about halfway through the movie like i could probably show this to the right eight-year-old you know what i mean like it's 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 violent as hell and they might say blood orgy a few too many times where i'd have to explain what that is but like that like otherwise it it, like it so well plays in that tone that like you know if you've got the right eight-year-old that could take the violence and at least you know be able to categorize it appropriately like it it really plays in that tone quite well, I think. It, it you know it works. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, my my daughter is six and she loves all the puppets. She loves Frank. She loves Zed. Yeah. She doesn't want to see the movie though. If yeah. like I'm, like if she hears it or something, she's like, Dad, turn it off. You know. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Of course, I'm wondering like like the cat puppet. You know, I've mm-hmm. spent hours being the cat. Um. 
but I'm like, I don't know. When will she watch it? I don't know. Like when she's 13. I was going to say, I think like that, that like, you know, 12, 13, right in that age right there feels like That's this would spot. hit a sweet spot probably uh, pretty well. I, I mean, I, I, I do know, yeah, that there there are some parents who have shown their kids and, and um, the actor who plays the priest, his nephew saw it. He's got a nephew that I think is about 12 or 13 that just freaked out to just love the movie. And it was really cool because Steve is the guy who played the priest, actually had the priest puppet and some stuff at his house at the time. He has a, he actually has a business where he does a bunch of puppet stuff anyways. So his nephew got to come and Steve was like just excited because he was like the coolest uncle because he had like the priest and he had done it and he could do the voice. And his nephew was like, oh my God. Uncle That's Steve. so cool. And and apparently, like the you know, uh, his nephew watched the film like three times in a row, just like loved it. It's oh, incredible! That's so. I mean, incredible. Like, one one of the other things it reminded me of, and I, I was a huge fan of this at that age, was like Frankenweenie. Um, the 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 Frank and Zed characters a little bit remind me of the the kind of tone of that and stuff. And I, so I could totally see being that age and just like really <laughs> falling for this. I was gonna say Army of Darkness, but that's just that's because funny. that was the yeah. movie that I saw when I was probably like just a skosh too young to see it. So uh-huh. it like captured my imagination, but like really freaked me out a little bit, which I appreciate it for. <laughs> um, but I got I got a couple, you know, maybe it's like the medieval vibes to it, but I got I got some vibes of that off of Frank and Zed, which is always a good thing in my opinion. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. In fact, um there's a very I, one of the things that I was tasked so one of my Kickstarter backers um, had a reward where they got to they got to come up with a kill or a movie or something that I would need to homage something from a famous cool. movie that I would. Homage. I was like, all right. So I called the backer up and I was like, okay. So you know, what are you thinking? What movie do you want me to do an homage to? And I was like, and he goes, uh, have you seen? Have, have you heard of Army of Darkness? And I was like, yes, I've I've heard of Army of Darkness. He's like, okay, I want you to do the chainsaw hand. I was like, oh, man, okay, I got to do the chainsaw hand. And so I was like, okay, okay, all right, I'll, I'll figure it out. Thank you very much. You know, and he, it's not like he had read the script or anything like that. Like, he, you know, he was just doing exactly what he had signed up for, you know. Yeah. And, of course, I treated it, like, very seriously. But I was like, how, how am I going to, like, do an homage to Army of Darkness without just ripping people out of the film? Yeah. Know? And, like chainsaw hand I'm like what am I going to do what am I going to do what am I going to and I was thinking about gears and all this stuff and I was like oh wait I know what I'm going to do chainsaw is like a super badass weapon right this is the coolest thing you could have on your wrist I'm going to do the exact opposite what is the weakest lamest like crappiest weapon you could have on your wrist and that's the broom like what a single strand from the broom yes yeah. and so that or poke the shit out of him came from that's like actually an army of darkness that's funny um, incredible nice that's and great. i love the just all of them just yeah. on their their poke attack that is a uh, very very funny visual of really them delightful. just all clinging to him as they all <laughs> yeah fantastic uh jesse i don't want to keep you too much longer but I, I had one more question for you if uh if that's all right um i so sure. I, the thing that i really wanted to ask is that frank and zed themselves are unlike any other puppets I think I've ever seen in something. Uh, they they looked, I, they didn't look what like what I would expect when somebody says, "Hey, it's a movie with puppets." That mm-hmm. that is not what I anticipated or expected. And they're like they're clearly like very flexible and dexterous and and movable, yet like 
you know, they... They seem so sturdy. That yeah, was, to, I was so impressed how sturdy they seemed. To look at them, I would think you would not be able to manipulate them very well because they do look so sturdy comparatively to what I think of when I think of a puppet. But then to watch them, they're very dexterous uh, and, and sometimes in unexpected ways too. Um, there, there were certain uh, articulation points on them that I was surprised by and stuff. Um, like, what are they? How do you even... Desire, and, and is that a thing that like... Is it a typical thing that already exists that I would know an, a familiar example of, or th they are a unique thing? So they're they're made of silicone, okay, like a like, like a fancy expensive silicone, yeah. and fiberglass. I mean that's and okay. that's what they're you know, and they have resin eyes and things like that. You know, um, I think what might be, yeah, I mean they're brought to life. I mean, I did a lot of puppeteering, but my main puppeteer is this guy, Jason Rock, who is just phenomenally talented. I mean, he's so talented. Yeah. And, you know, puppeteering is a thing where I, I have a theory that there's certain things they can do working on it as a craft, you know, like stand-up writer and like puppeteer. Are, are things that people, some, some, not everybody, but some people just think they can do having never even done it in a way that like you would never apply to like playing the piano or guitar or anything like that. Right. Mm -hmm. Puppeteering is absolutely an art. And, um, my lead puppeteer, Jason Roth is just so talented in what he can do. And one of the things I love about him is that he's not precious at all with the puppets. Like he really works them hard, 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 hard. So Frank and Zed, all the puppets get, you know, manipulated in really interesting ways. I mean, there's like, 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 and he'll take like the shots, like, uh, like he'll take the puppets and even the felt ones and he'll like scrunch them and move them with their hands. Like there's a shot with the baker where he, the baker's like in the woods and he's like looking at his note and he goes to think and Jason like squishes half of his face so that he's kind of like chewing on his cheek. He's like, hmm, yeah. like this, like not, what a regular person would do it's like a it's an extra level of like war and i don't even know how he's doing it it's not <laughs> like the puppet's not done to built to do that he's like warping it with his hands and so you know with frank and zed he's also doing all kinds of crazy stuff like so for instance like a thing he did with frank a lot is that he would take frank's lower teeth his lower jaw and he would slide them up front when when frank is thinking like hmm hmm and he's mm. taking the actual kind of built thing and, and I mean, really breaking. He's, he's basically breaking the puppet to get the teeth to move past where they should. And it's a great performance. I mean, it brings it to yeah. life. You know? That's incredible. That's right. And so it, it, but they are like, um, they are more, there's literally, there's a puppeteer like with his hand inside of Frank yeah. and like actually manipulating him like that. That's so interesting. He yeah. I mean, because they really look like, you know, they look like an action figure I would buy. They really, they look like a very solid uh, uh, thing. It's really impressive. Thank you. I mean, they're, I mean, they are, they're solid and they're heavy. And they're yeah. very heavy puppets, especially Frank. I mean, they're yeah. absolute. And you also have like inside Frank and Zed, you have all the IMEX and stuff are in there. Oh, yeah, yeah. The other thing, you know, and I think this is part of what works it makes it a big challenge, but also work for it. It's like, you know, with Zed, he's got a huge hole in his brain. So most of his head is empty. You would never do that typically with a puppet. Right. Cause you're taking all your hand space. You're just taking it out and he's got his eyes. So you are really extra limited in your access there. 
And then with Frank, he's got the water dome. So his brain is actually is also a big part of that's taken out. And you can see through to the teeth and all that stuff is also where the hand would be. So that's also like super, you know, uh, you're taking up a lot of the hand space. But a lot of that was also done so that you wouldn't see the hand. I was like, how do we get the hand out of these guys? I don't want to see I don't want people to just imagine this. Yeah, yeah. You know, and kind of think through that. And and the whole film was done that way. Like, there's no like four foot by eight foot sheets of plywood anywhere. There's no two by fours. Like any modern kind of geometry, any modern touch point is all work. I worked very hard to have none of that. So you never have a modern visual thing to pull you out. Uh, it's totally so cool. worse, and it, you can see that attention to detail in in every frame. I I, I thought I, I I was really clocking that stuff. Um, just from a design perspective, like it, it yeah, it, major success, like uh, across the board. I'm so glad you, I'm so glad you guys liked the movie. That, yeah, yeah, it was fantastic. Big yeah. fan. Uh, can, can you speak on where some of our listeners can, can catch it or where it will be seen? I know it was just at Nightstream. Yeah. So, um, um, we're trying to figure out the home for it right now. Honestly, mm. I mean, if your listeners, you know, email Netflix or Hulu or any of the places that they would want to see the film, I don't know. That's kind of a lame thing to ask. But if any <laughs> of your listeners did that, I mean, those that would go gangbusters in terms of helping us, like, kind of get the film out there. Because we're, yeah. you know, we're trying to talk to some people and people are responding, like, really, really well to the film. They seem to really, really like it, which is so exciting, you know, because I was very worried about it. Um, but people seem to really like the film. Um, but it's a tiny, you know, it's t- a tiny film. It's so small. And so, um, um, so that's kind of a, you know, that's not the best answer. But if there's, you know, we got to find the home for it right now. We're looking for a home. Well, that's a good answer. I think we yeah. can mobilize our listeners to do exactly that. Um because I assure you, if you're listening to this, you do want to see this movie. Yeah. Um, it is exactly within the flavor profile of what our audience digs. So uh, I assure you that you do want to see it. And, uh, and yeah, if you want to send an email to any of those people, please do. Because more people should see this. Yeah. Uh, Jesse, can you uh, tell people where they can find like you on the internet? Like where they can follow along uh, for this part of the journey and stuff? Yeah. So, um, uh puppetcore.com we have a, a mailing list and that's like just kind of the like hey you can see it here kind of stuff um uh and then puppetcore facebook and or facebook backslash puppetcore and uh instagram backslash puppetcore that's where nice. we have most of this that's great yes. uh, yeah dude thank you very much for being here with us this was a real pleasure and a joy as was your movie I feel like I actually just learned a fair amount about filmmaking yeah. uh, just from this conversation. And I always value when we get an interview where I can come out of it feeling like I know a little bit more about my favorite medium. So, you know, thank you so much for coming on and, and giving our show that gift. Well, you're welcome. You know, Dan and Garrett, it was also, it was really fun talking to you guys. And you had a, a lot of insights into the film that I, um, I never thought of. So it's also really cool to hear. I talk about the Rankin and Bass and then even like the Frankenstein thing. Like I didn't <laughs> that at all. So it's really, it's fun to see, to get your perspective on the film and actually see this film that I know so well in, in a new light also. Yeah. Great.
Uh, well, listen, we're, we'll wrap it up here, and then uh, we'll talk to you on the other side of wrapping it up. But uh, the way we do that is a little uh, around the horn thing here. Dan, I'll, I'll do our plugs really quick, and then we'll we'll close it out. Sound good? Everybody? Right on. Sounds great. Sounds good. Awesome. Uh, so, yeah, you can find us everywhere on the Internet. I, I like to movie. It's numeric to uh, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, I like to movie at gmail dot com. Uh, you can find me at uh, Philadelphia on uh, Twitter and Letterboxd. And I write for cinema 76.com. Yep. At Dan Scully on all of those same things. Cinema 76.com, Fendi dot com. Uh, and check out my other show, Hot Property. Uh, that's available on Spotify. So check that out. Uh, and uh, Jesse, you're Puppet Core everywhere, right? That's where people should look for you, Puppet Core. Yeah, yeah. Facebook backslash Puppet Core, Instagram backslash Puppet Core, or just puppetcore.com. Awesome. Uh, and then uh, we'll do this little closing. You can join us in this, Jesse. You'll you'll figure it out really quick. My name is Garrett Smith, and I like to movie movie. My name is Dan Scully, and I like to movie movie. My name is Jesse Blanchard, and I like to movie movie. Yes. And we all know that you like to movie movie because we, we like, like- Two, two, movie! movie.